Our Bible reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 15, and we're going to start reading from verse 5 through to verse 13. John, chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ben, and I am one of the 10 or so lucky people who get to serve this church as part of the pastoral team. As a church, over the last five or six weeks, we have been pressing into a series called One Anothering, which is, in essence, just looking at how we do community together, um, looking at those really core verses throughout the New Testament that call us to be a body of Christ that honours Jesus and spurs one another on toward being Christ-like in all that we are. And today we come to our final week, but the the theme that we're talking about today is deceptively simple. It's not something that we can just tack on to the end of a series. It's not something that's just even really important to us here at PBC. But Jesus says this theme, this little simple word, is supposed to be at the core of your very DNA. It's supposed to be right in the middle of who you are. And it's one thing is supposed to be completely manifest in your personal life as a believer, but then manifest all throughout this community as a group of believers. So that when people come in, they see there's something different about this place. What is that deceptively simple word? Love. Fantastic. Uh, you were listening to the passage, it's pretty simple, yeah? Love is our deceptively simple word for the day. And love is an incredibly central theme component to Scripture to the character of God. But what I want you to do, just for a second, just to play a little game in your mind to work out how important love is. If you know the gospel, which is the story of Jesus' death, resurrection, life on earth, try and tell yourself the gospel without the word love. It's pretty hard. Like Maybe you can say it without using the word love. But if you do, you're still using things that come as a consequence of love. Love is at the heart of the gospel. If I wasn't to use the word love in telling the gospel, it might sound something like this. We are sinful and the consequence for our sin is separation from God with a byproduct of death when you separate from the source of life. And God sent Jesus into this reality and through his death and resurrection brings us into a relationship with God and life. Sound pretty accurate? Sound like something really important is missing there? Hopefully that's not your full understanding of the gospel, because if it is, then then we're missing an incredibly central component to who God is in sending Jesus. 
We're missing a central component to understanding his word as well. And we're left with a really big question. Why? Why? Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why did Jesus come? Why did God send Jesus into this world? The answer is simple, and that is love. When we remove love from the equation, things lose their meaning. Things lose their purpose, which is why if we jump into 1 Corinthians, there's this guy, uh, Paul, is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says these words. If you've got your Bible, you can feel free to open up to it. Here we go. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, he says... If I speak in the tongues of men, which are like the languages of humans or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, and noise is just ringing in the ears, completely useless. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can receive God's word and share it to the people and can fathom all mysteries and all, all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing." If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now those things are pretty powerful things, you know, giving your life, giving away all you own to the poor, giving it away. Like these are pretty powerful things, but without love at the heart and motivation, we're left with a big question. Why? It loses its purpose. And this is probably why Jesus calls us as a church in such explicit terms to join with him in this love. In John 13, 34 to 35, just a couple chapters before the passage we read, Jesus is in the room with his disciples. He's about to be arrested, taken off, crucified, and consequential resurrection and wonderful victory over death. But before that, he's using this last opportunity to speak to his disciples. And what has he done so far? He's gotten down. He's washed the manky feet of his disciples. We looked at this a few weeks back, and hopefully it's not a foreign story to you. It's a beautiful act of humility and service. And then he's continued on to talk about how Judas is going to betray him. And that betrayal is set in motion as Jesus speaks. And Judas leaves to go get the soldiers, and and then Jesus keeps on speaking. He says, as I die, there's going to be this strange kind of irony here that when I die, I'm actually going to be glorified as a son. And when I leave you... There's something that's going to bind you together to one another. There's something that's going to bind you to me. 13, 34 to 35, it says, A new command, this is Jesus' words, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. It's a pretty cool verse, but out of this verse, the part that really grabs me is that last verse there. It's actually verse 35. By this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Why? Because my disciples are different. To be my disciples isn't just to outwardly align with a Christian church or a Christian movement or even a Christian name. To be my disciples means that you have been changed. You've been miraculously and radically changed by the Holy Spirit and you've received a heart now of new love for the Father, for the Son, for the Spirit and for one another. This is a mark of my disciples. This is a mark of your newness in Christ. And as we receive the Spirit, love is then a fruit of the Spirit. So that now love is manifest among us. So when people come into this place, it's like what I think of is a Macca's moment, right? Where you you only have to get about 50 metres away from Macca's blind and everything, and you know where you are, right? You can smell it, that, that fatty, oily smell. We hang out after, we hang out after uh, church with our young adults, and we go off and we find our own food, and we come back, and, and I walked into the basement last week, and all of a sudden, I was just smacked in his face. I was like, who got it? Stinks, stench. Don't put it in your car because it never comes out. It's a, it's a horrible smell, trademark Maccas. To some, it's a lovely, defined smell, otherwise known as temptation, but to some, it's not lovely at all. 
And we as the church are called to be not a disgusting smell, but we are called to have the aroma reflect Christ in all that he is, and that is supposed to be trademark Jesus. That's supposed to be eye-grabbing. That's supposed to be life compass. It's supposed to be pointing towards Jesus as people come in here. They should see him. And today we're going to get practical. We're going, to, we're going to hit the road where the rubber hits the road. We're going to jump into the middle. And I would love to see this become part of our DNA here at PBC. Is it already? I, definitely in part. Is it fully? No, I wouldn't say so. So that's the challenge, to continually press into this. So let's take it one step at a time. Jesus' command is, as I loved you, so you must love one another. The way I see this is, it's like visually that Jesus loves us and then as a consequence, we then love others, okay? So that first part is really important that he has, as I have loved you, Jesus has loved us. And if we are to truly, as a community, embody what it means to love one another, we need to receive the love of Jesus for ourselves. How do you teach someone saxophone if you can't play saxophone? How do you teach someone mass if you don't even know what that is? How do you build a house if you've never seen one before? Right? You need to have some sort of frame of reference. How do you love someone with Jesus' love if you don't know how he loved? So first, we need to receive the love into our lives. And there's this cognitive and emotional aspect to it where where we can pick up this, this word of God and we can go through it and we can come to a rational conclusion that God loves me. We can go through the story. We can go through the descriptions of God's character and say, yeah, God loves me. But if that's the full extent of our understanding of God's love, then we fall short. We don't fully grasp it. So Hebrews 5.5, it's a nice picture of Romans 5.5. It's a nice picture of how we receive the love of God. It says God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Not just into my mind, not just into my prefrontal cortex, not just into that part that rationalizes and thinks, but it's been poured into my heart. And there's this guy who was talking about the symbolism of heart. And what does, when I say heart, what do I mean? And his fancy words are, your heart is the central wisdom of feeling as opposed to the head, which is the wisdom of reason. In other words, my heart is where the feeling is centered. My mind is where the thoughts are centered. And Jesus is saying, God is saying that I have not just poured my love into your mind, but I want you to experience this with all that you are. Is this something that you know? Is this something that you've experienced? For me, it was, I actually feel like I experienced both these things, but in my mind, I thought it was the wrong way around. So I had this weird experience that I couldn't comprehend for years, that I actually experienced the love of God um, in a moment of, of severe loneliness and isolation. And uh, yeah, I just felt like I was alone in the middle of the sea by myself. And into that moment, God used people and he used, yeah, he used a time of worship genuinely to encounter me in that place. And I just felt Matthew, I don't know the verse, where Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. My yoke is light. And I felt that weight lift and the lightness of Jesus just come over me. That was my experience, and to wrap words around it would probably do it injustice. But then after a few few years following that, God continued to unravel in my mind what it meant to receive God's love. And part of that was breaking down false narratives, lies that had built up, and and I realized that I defined love by a lot of other things, not by God's. Part of my testimony, I guess, my story of faith, is that for a number of years, I wasn't attending a church after like 12 
pretty heavy PK years being pastor's kid. And in these years, I started to define my faith, Christianity, on what the world told me it was. And I was told many different things from the mundane slash expected Christians, they don't swear, Christians, they don't have sex, Christians, they love each other. But when we take the word love as society defines it, it's just a general term that kind of fits all over the place. I can love this microphone and I can love Travis, but which one do I love more? Should I be able to love things more and less? That doesn't sound like the love of God. And if we take even a cursory look at other religions of the world, then we see lots of similarities between them. We see worshipping and adoration of a deity. We do that. We worship God. But what you won't find is love. Or not at least the love that God calls us to. Not the kind of love that actually dies to self and serves others. Not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about in that passage we read. The greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This love isn't found anywhere else. This love, you cannot find it in the supermarket. You cannot find it in your family. You can only find it in one place, from God. Granted, he does use people in this, but the source of love is God himself. And... Yeah, my prayer is that we receive that this morning, receive that in our lives, because if we are to truly, as a body, love one another, then we need to receive this love, both in our minds and in our emotions. What I've found is that love is contagious. I've had the joy of of leading a Year 7 Boys small group on Friday nights, and I know for some of you that probably isn't a joy, but for me it was a joy and has been a joy, continues to be such. And earlier this year we went out on, a, on an outing for laser tag, which is mad fun. We had a great night. And after we blasted each other up for about, I don't know, two hours, we put down the blasters and we walked out a 200 metre trek over to Macca's after I've ditched it. Yeah, yeah. anyway, um, ditched it out. And on our way to Macca's, we're about 60 metres away. And you can see this guy just on the side of the, side of the path. And, and he, was, he was lying there. And as you get closer, you see he's got a blanket on. And he hasn't got much, much with him. He's got a bag of belongings kind of near his head. But at 8.30 p.m. at night, it was pretty clear that that's where he was sleeping. He didn't have anywhere to go. And genuine confession, I didn't take a second, second look. I was leading a group of 25 lads. And I was thinking, you know, oh, your parents are going to be here in 20 minutes. We need to make sure we get food, make sure we get there. I was totally distracted um, from this guy, but we got about five, ten metres past him, and a kid comes up to me in year seven, and he says, can we, can we give him something? And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what are we, we going to give him? Like, we came to play laser tag, we don't really have anything on us. And he's like, if, if, I, if I go buy him a burger from Maccas, can I come back and give it to him? And I'm like, uh... I'm like, the time, it's like, we get it, we get, your parents are here, want to honour them and get you out on time, like, like, we don't want to run too far over, and I said, yeah, okay, maybe, but then he kept on going, kept on going, can we do it, can I do it, can I do it, long story short, he went, he bought a burger, and then we went back to this guy, he gave it to him, the guy on the, on the ground, he went about his day, we went about ours, and we went back to Macca's, but in that moment, and, and kind of coming out of that night, I was challenged by the love that I've seen, because it was genuine, side note, Learn from younger people. (laughs) So beautiful. I love it. Love has no age. But in that moment, I felt the infectiousness of love. I wanted to embody it. And this is the love that Jesus is talking about. When you receive it, when you genuinely experience it, it's contagious. You can't just feel it and stay seated on the ground. It brings you up out of your seat. It brings you up out of the normalcy of, of being community and brings you into action. 
Love God motivates us to act. Imagine if God never initiated love. John 3.16 would read very differently. It probably wouldn't read at all, let's be honest. God so, no, he wouldn't love the world then, would he? And that's why out of receiving the love of God, the call on us as a community, as PBC, is then to embody Christ's love. And what does this look like? Well, hopefully the concept is simple, that we look at Christ and then we, we put that into practice in our lives. And there are so many answers. Look over the series that we've just been diving through together. There's wonderful practical ideas back from serving one another to pursuing peace to being humble with one another. There's so many and building each other up, guarding one another. Beautiful illustrations of what Christ's love looks like practically. I encourage you, if you haven't heard them, go back and listen to them. If you haven't applied them, go back and listen to them and you'll get it again. But today, I just want to give you a few simple yet, I think, important things about what it means to embody the love of Christ. I think it's about six or, six or so. The first is to own it and be proactive. Long story short, you You are Christ's ambassador. You are God's presence wherever you go. You host the Holy Spirit. You as a believer are called into this. So for me personally, that means I need to totally get rid of the someone else's got it mentality or, you know, someone will clean that up. Someone will take care of that. You need youth leaders. Oh, we got like 600 people here. There's got to be at least two or three. He's going to do it. That's not me. Or maybe it's the worship team, you know, I've, I play guitar or play this and, and they, look, they look sorted, right? Someone else has got it. And we need to step out of that into the active because God doesn't call us as just a broad general community. God calls you as the individual believer, which then has ramifications on the body. So we need to step into this on our own. Not on our own, we have Christ and we are together, but we need to make the decision to step into this as Jesus did. The second is to seek reconciliation, and this one is a tough one. I don't know about you and your, your experience with other believers. For me, some of my biggest scars have been caused by uh, other believers, other Christians, who, yeah, call themselves out, and I don't doubt it. But I, get we, I think we, I have gone into the false assumption sometimes of thinking once we come into this place, brokenness stays in the car park and doesn't come in. You know, once we come to this place, we are people who are, who are holy, who are blameless, that brokenness is not a part of our community in any shape, way or form. And I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but we need to be realistic that, that hurt will be caused. Gossip is a thing, lies happen, and people are hurt. And we come into church, that doesn't change, but what does change? How we respond. Because we have two choices. One, we go and we find a community of believers who aren't sinful, who don't gossip, and, and who are perfect in every way, who won't cause you any hurt, and... If you find that, which you won't, don't go there. You'll, you'll spoil it. The second option we have, I'm sorry, <laughs> gentle, harsh rebuke. Um, and the second option we have is truly to embody the love of Jesus, right? Peter said, nah, I don't know him. Nah, I don't know him. Nah, I don't know him. When Jesus came back, he, he didn't say, do 100 push-ups and earn my forgiveness. Go and love that person and earn my forgiveness. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Peter, do you love me? Dude, come on, you know, I love you. If we set our bar for forgiveness and reconciliation above Jesus's, if we require more of one another before we forgive each other, then we're never going to be the community that Jesus desires for us to be. We're never going to embody the fullness of his love. 
So let's seek reconciliation. The third is to affirm. This is a really simple one. We want to build up the church. Going back two weeks, we want to encourage, we want to exhort, we want to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Little tiny tip, the way that I think about it, is replace the tacky for the touching, which is something that crossed my path about three or four years ago as I came to the realisation that writing HBD on a Facebook wall on someone's birthday didn't mean a whole lot. And what I was led into is realising that three simple letters, HBD stands for happy birthday, by the way, but three little letters does not replace 30 seconds to write at least you know, a short paragraph of what you mean to me, right? There's something touching about someone taking the time to affirm and to build you up. There's something touching about you taking time to affirm and build others up as well. And imagine a community that was doing this in all spheres of our life. That'd be on fire. That'd be distinct from the world. That would be so attractive. That love I want to be the recipient of. Let's affirm one another. Love when it's awkward. Society tells us that love is not always appropriate. Encouragement and affirmation is not always appropriate. As a young single guy, I feel weird at times affirming young single girls. And there's a time and a place, obviously. But society says you don't want to send the wrong message, right? You want to be portrayed in this light of having it all together, of being totally responsible and with no imperfection. But the reality is that Jesus did not hold back his affirmation. He did not hold back his love because society told him to. Jesus was so incredibly antisocial. There's two, two meanings to that word. He was so countercultural that his love pierced through society. He flipped it on his head. So we need to love when it's awkward, love when society tells us it's weird. Know each other. I think that's a really practical one. Have you ever had that feeling of someone coming up and asking you about something that's going on in your life that you forgot you told them? It's like, whoa, you remember that? For me, someone came up to me last week and asked me how my brother was doing in Melbourne. And it was a lovely little encounter. But it wasn't just, how's your brother doing, which I've been asked many times this year. It was... Actually, I heard that your brother, he was having trouble with a, a project that he was working on, and, and I was just wondering how he's going with that. I've been praying for him as I've been driving past a landmark on my way during the week. And to me, that meant so much more. That was an expression of love that she didn't only just care for my brother, but she cared enough to know about him. It wasn't just making light conversation. She was motivated by love. Knowing someone's name also has power. How many names do you know in this room? I'm sorry. I'd struggle. I'd do this row pretty well. But uh, other than that, I'm pretty shy of the number in this room. Knowing names, knowing life stories, so easy and powerful way to love one another. Not always easy. Something to work on. And the last one is to share burdens. And again, we're not going to come to the misconception that brokenness is left at the door, is part of the fallen world we live in. So when we see burdens, it's not about pointing them out and ridiculing people. When we come to a community here, we are to resemble less of a courtroom that calls out people's brokenness or, or outs them for what they've done wrong. We need to be more like a, a healing-oriented hospital where the sick are welcomed, with our passion being to restore the broken. And to do that means to come together, to share burdens, not just watch our brothers and sisters struggle to hold their own. Let's share burdens. And it's just a simple list of, of, of what it means to practically embody the love of Christ. And for me personally, those things have meant a lot. This is my experience. And I also think they're incredibly central on who Christ is and the love that he's embodied. So my question for you is, are you going to practice what Jesus has called you into? 
He's called us to love one another. Are we going to embody this? For you, what does that mean? Is there something on the list that's really jumping out to you or is some other part of Jesus' life really compelling you right now of how you can step into love in your circumstance? If it is, if we want to be the body that love one another, then we need to receive his love and embody it. And I can hear some of my youth kids as we talk about this. In my mind, I'm expecting the question of, well, Jesus was around 2,000 years ago. What's he got to do with my life now? That's one not-so-okay question. But the coming out of that, Jesus has the greatest answer. And it's not, well, it's not just look at what I've done in the Bible. It's not just look at what record you have of me. But I have given you someone. And I've given you someone who will help you in this, who will lead you in this. When you find it hard, he's going to strengthen you. It's the Spirit. As we went back to Romans 5, 5, it's, it's God has poured his love into our hearts through the Spirit which we've received. The Spirit of God leads us into this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And in John 15, Jesus is talking about love and, and he's talking about how God the Father loved him and so he loved others. And then he calls us into the love that's going on. And he's, he's not just calling us to love others, but he's calling us into that love that's already present. And he gives us the Spirit to live that out. And he says, don't go loving one another by trying to copy my fruit. If I'm a vine, don't go aiming for the fruit. What should you aim for? Aim for the vine. Connect to me and love will flow through as the presence of Christ is made manifest in our life. If you want to love one another truly, we need to receive it, to embody it, and to abide or remain. That's the words used often in John 15. So, Parent Baptist Church, where we are right now in this context that we live and find ourselves, Jesus, God, he has a call on us as a community. A call made to individuals that has ramifications that go on and on and on. So, Parent Baptist Church, God's children, let's step into this. Let's see God move among us and as we love one another change lives in our presence and also bring people in whose lives he will change as well. Jesus' command on us is to love one another. And as his disciples, his word is, you must love one another as I've loved you. So together, Parent Baptist Church, let's step into the foot washing-like service of one another, using the gifts that we've received to serve each other. Let's remain humble in all that we do with a Jesus type of others-centeredness. Let's live at peace with one another in all that we can, being patient, kind, accepting, and forgiving as Jesus is. Let's build each other up. Let's encourage each other. Let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let's admonish, confess, support, and pray for one another. Let's step into the calling Jesus has on us as the body of people led by the living spirit. Let's be people who love one another deeply. Let's step into that. I'm excited to see the fruit that comes as we embody this. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that this isn't something that we initiate on our own because if it was, we would fall so incredibly short. Lord, I want to pray for everyone in this room right now knowing that love is something that we pour out of what we've received. So God, would you just pour out afresh your love over everyone in this room in a way that doesn't just tickle our cognitive fancy but uh, gets down to the depths of who we are. I want to experience you, experience your love in all ways. 
And God, would you lead us into what it means to embody this in our world, knowing that we can't keep this up forever on our own, God. We, we can't, in our own strength, love one another how you have loved us. So Father, we just pray again, would we just f- fix our eyes on your spirit? Would we plug ourselves into your vine? God, have your way among us. God, would you just raise up excitement and anticipation for what you're going to do in us as a community as we seek to love one another actively? Yeah, God, would you just mobilize us right now? Yeah, we take up your call on us to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.